0: Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, happy Friday from the Mike Broomhead Show. Thanks for spending part of your morning with us. Uh, education is a big topic on this show, whether it's uh you know K through twelve or secondary education, going to college and getting a degree or trade schools, um, options for people, and lately tuition and tuition forgiveness has been a big topic. And I've been talking about return on investment for a college education for certain degrees. So uh we we're in contact with Dr. Michael Crow's office. He has been kind enough to join us. Dr. Crow, welcome back.
1: How you doing, Mike? I uh, hope your mom's doing okay down in Florida.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, I've been posting some pictures. So that's my hometown. Fort Myers is my hometown, and my brothers cool. in charge of search and rescue. And uh, the more pictures I see, the more I cannot believe what I'm seeing.
1: No, I've seen some. It's 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 unbelievable. It's, it's uh, hopefully people will get. Uh Get some energy down there and uh, all the thanks to your brother and the team out there that's helping everybody.
2: Yeah, they. Uh,
0: it's tough. It's it It's really rough to see, but the communities really come together, and, and that's what I like to see most. My old friends all looking out for each other and, and everybody reaching out to each other there. So I, they'll get through it. They will definitely get through that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about this tuition thing. I know that uh, somebody uh, had heard me talking about return on investment and the rise in tuition costs in Arizona. Where does Arizona State fit nationally as far as tuition costs to in-state students go?
1: Well, it wasn't somebody that heard you. I heard you. I was listening to your show. And oh. so and so, uh, and so what I wanted to do was just make sure that folks know that that uh, you know what we've got is a situation where we have actually calculated the return on investment to our students. And it has a a wide range. If you graduate from ASU, your return on your investment per year over the rest of your life after graduating will be uh, 7% if you get an education degree and greater than 23% if you get an engineering degree for an average between all of our graduates of 14 to 15% per year for the rest of your life. That's a huge return on investment. Now, of course, you have to graduate, uh, but it's a huge return. And we've also tried to keep our our costs down to the students in-state students pay uh, what we call net tuition after grants, uh, no loans after grants of still under $4,000 a year. So we've been able to keep that uh, pretty well.
0: So then let's talk about tuition or, or student loan forgiveness from the White House. The, the conversation, or at least the message I'm hearing from the White House is that young people are overwhelmed with student loan debt because they are getting jobs where they can't afford to pay the debt off. Uh, that doesn't sound like the message ASU is saying is you're saying you're going to get a good return on. Your investment—it's a good investment in your education if you go to ASU.
1: Yeah, the student loan thing is is a mess. The, the policy that's just been put out is is probably not well thought out because it creates chaos about. Who's responsible for money that you borrow? And right now we have a poorly designed, this is over the last few decades, student loan policy. You can be given a loan to buy a car, to rent your apartment, to do anything, as opposed to you living at home and going to school and so forth. Student loans are also applicable for trade schools. Everything after high school can be student loan supported. And so what we've got is a huge problem with people not finishing, carrying these debts and then having difficulty getting jobs capable of helping them to pay these debts back. Uh, that's that's not in general the case at our students at ASU. The average loan uh, for a student with debt, I mean, the average debt for a student with debt at ASU is 23000 The average across all of our student body is $11,000. Uh, uh, and so that's, uh, that's within the realm of financial management uh, positives. What we've got here with this is a student loan problem where people are borrowing massive amounts of money and not finishing. And this is what's been disappointing about national policy. It's not focused on helping to get these kids and these workers uh, through the trade school, through the community college, through the university, it's for all those things to finish.
0: Um, you have been obviously been um, credited with such innovation. You've been named the most innovative college again. It's happened. The university has happened again. Um, do you believe there needs to be more innovation in education at the college level with the advent of you know more people looking at trade schools or going getting certifications and going into the workforce? Do you think education needs to change?
1: We need, we need change everywhere. What we need is a kid coming out of high school. We need everybody to get through high school. Uh, we need uh, people to go to trade school, technical school, culinary school, community college, the military, universities. And, and we need to help people to as they're learning in their life through innovations to take all that they learn and produce a, a lifelong learning sort of package. So that later, if they want to go back and learn some more, they can get credit for what they've learned. I mean, the system is seriously... Flawed. There's insufficient innovation. We're not using technology. We're overly elitist. All those things. We've got to change everything, which is what ASU is really focusing on.
0: So you have made dramatic changes to the university. I've, uh, I don't know if you like this analogy or not, or or this uh, example that I've been giving in the past. When I first moved here in 1995, it seemed like the girls gone wild bus was on that campus. All the time. And now it's really transformed where there are companies that actually come here because they want to draw from your engineering school. What was the pathway to that transition for the reputation of ASU for you?
1: Yeah, you know, I think you're right, Mike. You know, the, the the pathway was to change the culture of the institution to be of greater service to the people. So we built a fantastic university where you can go and get a great degree. We run the largest engineering school in the country, the largest business school in the country. We've got fantastic philosophy majors. We've got fantastic people learning about, you know, how the all the philosophies that led to the creation of the great uh exceptional United States that we're all blessed to live in. And then in addition to that, we've now built through then the change of our culture, what we call the ASU Learning Enterprise. And this is a part of the institution now focused on helping every family Every mom, every dad, homeschooling, uh, whatever you need, uh, uh, courses for you to move forward in your in your welding technology, uh, engineering aspects of that, whatever it is. So we've really changed the culture of the institution and really just driven up everything that we do to higher levels of excellence.
0: Well, I appreciate the time and talking about education. And before I let you go, I just have two questions about if you don't mind about the football program. Can you update us on the investigation into the program that started? How is that going and, and where where is it at?
1: Well, so the NCAA is continuing the investigation. They're running the investigation, and they've asked us not to comment on the on the investigation. But what I can say is that uh, we're hoping to bring things to uh, resolution as soon as possible. So that's where we are on that.
0: All right, and then the last question is, are uh, you going to bring Dion Sanders in as the head coach?
1: <laughs> I get a lot of messages about Dion, and, and, and Dion seems to be like uh, just – in his early age of of, of learning how to be a coach, uh, we're going to find the the most fantastic football coach that we can. I I can tell you one thing that, that ASU football is very important to me. Uh, We've tried some experiments. Uh, They've, they've uh, worked a little bit. Uh, They haven't worked in other ways. Uh, We're going to now move forward. We're going to expand our investments. We're going to uh, uh, take full advantage of all the opportunities that uh, that the state of flux is providing in the way that college football is being run, and we're gonna we're gonna regroup and move forward to victory. I mean, that's that's the only method that we've got. Here.
0: I uh, I'm a huge college football fan, and, and uh, I, I would love to see ASU be in that top tier school. It would be great for Arizona to have that happen here, and the rivalry with uh, with uh, University of Arizona would be amazing if that could continue. Where those were meaningful games as far as you know playoffs and going into the Pac-12 championship. So I hope that happens for them.
1: Well, you know, you know, we just uh, football uh, just went to a 12 team uh, championship playoff, which is going to be fantastically powerful for college football. The regrouping of the Pac-12 conference, the reengineering of our media contract. Uh, I'm very excited about what lies ahead. And, and, and what I'm saying is that, uh, you know, we're all in on football and uh, are committed to making it work.
0: Well, Dr. Crow, I always appreciate your willingness to come on and talk about this. And I'm glad you were able to clear some things up about ASU. And it gave me some new perspective. And I look forward to talking to you again.
1: All right, thanks, Mike. And good luck to your family down there in Florida.
0: Thank you so much. That is Dr. Michael Crow from ASU. Uh, great statistics. We're going to go over some of these a little bit later in the show. But as Dr. Crow is saying, the investment at ASU, the cost after grants. And we'll talk a little bit more about this because education is, is very, I think, important at every level. If you're going to get a college degree, you want to make sure you're getting a good return on investment in a moment. How much will Arizona's income tax cut save you? And and we also have to talk about the latest on the ESA expansion. We'll do that next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. I love the Doobie Brothers, right? Thanks for being here, everyone. appreciate it. Um, Steely Dan, I know. As soon as you said it, I know as soon as you said it, as soon as I said Doobie Brothers, I thought it's it's Steely Dan. And the funny thing about it is, as soon as I said it, I looked out of the corner of my eye and thought, Jeff's going to crush me on this one. (laughs) Jeff's going to kill me on this one. Um, Thanks for being here, everyone. Uh, Katie Hobbs released a statement. I'm going to read it. It's very brief. It has to do with uh, the referendum trying to get... Get rid of the ESA or the what I what is the known as the voucher program? They're not vouchers, but that's what it's known as. And so, uh, the organization Save Our Schools Arizona PAC submitted about one hundred forty-one thousand signatures or ten thousand two hundred petition pages that had to be gone through. To verify eligibility to get on the ballot. Well, they failed to get on the ballot. Uh, they believe that, uh, and the uh, Secretary of State's office said as much, while well, review of the petitions and sheets and signatures thereon is ongoing, the Secretary of State's office has completed the statutory prescribed review. On enough sheets and signatures to determine that the number of petition signatures eligible for verification will fail to meet the constitutional minimum, which means it will not be on the ballot. Let me explain why this is so important, why I believe it's so important. Um, There has been a rift between educators. And uh, not teachers necessarily, educators, and I mean this respectfully, that there are a lot of people in the politics of education that want to have – that believe that the public school system needs to control these dollars. I will say to you that I think the parents need to be in control of the dollars because then the school system is held more accountable. I think this is going to breed long-term. It is going to breed uh, competition. Competition breeds excellence. And I want excellent schools. The idea that I don't want excellent public schools when I've got um, four grandchildren between, you know, under the age of 12 um, is absurd, that I wouldn't want a thriving public education system. The problem is that public education is not meeting the mark. There are great teachers out there for a multitude of reasons we have student uh, we have teacher shortages, and it 's something that needs more needs to be addressed more so now than ever before when we have uh, far under fifty percent of our third grade students not reading a grade level, which is a benchmark, which is a benchmark age, and eighth graders well under 50 percent not able to do math, perform math skills, and go on to high school math, what we are doing is, figuratively speaking, tying one hand behind their back and expecting them to succeed. It is a major, major issue. And so without going after and saying teachers are horrible, that's not at all what I'm saying, the system isn't working. There are teachers that don't want to be involved in the politics. There are other teachers that support the politics. But in the end, the job's not getting done. When parents start asking questions about curriculum, they were being pushed back upon, not everywhere, to be fair, but in enough places where people were saying, I'm not going to be spoken to like that. Number one, I'm the taxpayer. But most importantly, number two, these are my children. And the repercussions of a bad education will live with my family longer than it does the teachers in the classroom. And so there are many teachers teachers that are frustrated by the system and how it's run. This is going to force them to reassess. Now, there is a, a criticism, that is a fair criticism, that a lot of these kids that are taking advantage of the ESA program are kids that are already in private schools. Well, uh, my push – and that's, that's fair. That is a fair thing for them to say. Except I also would say to you, those taxpayers have paid that money. Why shouldn't they be able to use that for their children? That to me is the biggest issue, is this idea that somehow it's government money. The government money comes from the taxpayer. And um, my family, I'm so passionate about this because my family is a prime example of this. I've told this story 10 times. My youngest brother, who is absolutely is now and always been my hero, even when he was a little kid, he was my hero. He went to a private school like a Brophy. It's called Bishop Verro High School, spelled like Ross Perot. Bishop Verro High School in Fort Myers, Florida. It is a Catholic, known as a college prep high school like Brophy is. My mother was a single mom. There was no way in the world anybody in our family could have afforded anything at that school, and he was there on an academic scholarship. He is the only person in our family to graduate from college, G- graduated with honors, and he is a captain in the sheriff's office. He is highly respected in the job he is in. He's a great father. He is a great husband. He's a great brother. But he also went and got, was in a place and immersed in a place where education meant something. He was an athlete. He played football. He played baseball. But academics led the way at that school. And had he not had that opportunity and not been surrounded by people – that we're going to go to college, that we're going to get an education, that we're going to go on to higher education. He may not have. I don't know that, but I know no one else in my family did. And to have somebody from, you know, plucked out of the projects, literally plucked out of those bad neighborhoods, a poor kid, given that opportunity. Why would we not champion for kids like that? There will be some kids that are fine in a public school. And there are others that deserve an opportunity to go somewhere else. Or if a parent says what you're teaching and how you're teaching doesn't line itself up with what I want for my child or what's best for my child, why shouldn't that parent have the opportunity to take that money? To take the tax dollars attached to their child and educate their child in any way they see fit. Education is changing. We have micro schools and homeschooling and charter schools and private schools and public schools. There are so many options out there and what fits your child may not fit someone else's. My youngest struggled in a public high school, and we put her in Northwest Christian High School, and she struggled there a little bit. She ended up going to an online school, a digital school, when they were kind of at their infancy, and she thrived. She graduated early. That fit her. And we need to find out what fits the students, what gets them best educated, and move them forward for the good of the country and for the good of the students. And I'm glad that this is going to continue, and uh, I hope it works out the way we all hope it works out, and we'll see if it does. Um, in a moment, we are going to talk, I think, with one of my best friends growing up from southwest Florida. His name is Adam Canales. He is in Fort Myers. And uh, we're going to talk about cleanup efforts, rescue efforts, and recovery, unfortunately. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app.
1: Hey,
0: thanks so much for being here. Uh, as you know, I was raised in southwest Florida. been out here since 1995, but return home often. A lot of my family and closest friends are still in the Fort Myers area, devastated by Hurricane Ian. I've um, been talking to my friends and family throughout the as much contact as we can have with them. Joining them right now is... Uh, my best friend growing up from high school. His name is Adam Canales. Adam, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Yes, sir. How are you doing, Michael? Man, I'm doing all right. I'm, I've been so worried about you guys and I know you and I have been talking on and off. I wanted to have you come on and kind of talk about the community in Fort Myers, because I know you've hit the ground running since the storm passed and you've been trying to help people. You're actually out hooking up a generator right now, right?
2: Yes, right now, hooking up a generator for our our good friend, Ricky marker. Um,
0: All right, we're getting intermittent. I knew this was going to happen. I knew we were going to end up losing him. So hopefully we don't don't lose him. Let's see if we can keep him on the line. Is he there or is he gone? All right, he may have dropped off. We're going to see if we can get him back. well, again, the spotty coverage, what we're having there in southwest Florida, the spotty coverage. Um, I posted some pictures online in the, uh, of this just to give you a little of a perspective on the damage. Um, I posted just on Facebook, if you follow me on Facebook, and I think I'm going to put it up on Instagram as well. And it's a picture of the Fort Myers Beach Pier before and after the storm passed. So uh, I, I guess he's back. You there, Adam? Yes. All right, so let's talk about the damage. You've been able to get around town. You've been able to drive around town. The pictures we see are unreal on Fort Myers Beach and Sanibel Island. How are things inland in the villas where, where we grew up and in, in the parts of town around Fort Myers? How is it getting around?
2: It is very difficult. Good thing I have four-wheel drive truck. I've had to run over many trees to get where I need to go to do what
0: I needed to do. Um, how are people, are, do people have food and water? Are stores open? Are you able to get the things you need? Or are people that didn't have supplies, are they just stranded right now?
2: Uh, right now, for example, Publix opened up this morning. People are going there. I went there. Uh, you can get what you need, but gas, forget about it. As soon as the gas station opens up, there's a hundred cars lining up. So... If you got time to wait around and sit, you'll get gas. Wow. Otherwise, you are going to be out of luck.
0: Now, as far as rescue goes, we've heard all kinds of numbers about loss of life. And uh, Sheriff Marcino had said on CNN the other day that they were, they were expecting loss of life to be in the hundreds. Is that what you're hearing as well?
2: Well, my niece works for uh, Lee County Coroner's office. Their facility can't hold 182 bodies. They have two refrigeration trucks coming tomorrow morning and they expect more. Have you been They're right da- they're not able to pick up bodies as of yesterday. They just tag them and leave them. Last night, they got a sheriff's department in their pickup trucks was loading up bodies and bringing them to the morgue.
0: How sad. And now, is this, um, how far inland is this happening? I imagine there's devastation and loss of life. Sanibel, Captiva Islands, Matlashay, uh, St. James City, Boquilla, Fort Myers Beach. But how far inland is this, is this tragedy happening with loss of life?
2: I'm going to say from the beach to the villas, what would you say, about 25 miles? Right. It's come in that far. People were just not prepared for what, what hit us. You know, they're being nonchalant. You know, we're not worried about it. It's not going to hit. Well, it hit. They weren't ready. Those are the people right now that are scrambling to get groceries, to get gas, to uh, feed their babies. It, it's It's crazy what's going on down here.
0: Well, I know we have some people in common that have lost everything, and it's going to take a long time to rebuild. How has the community effort been um, in helping each other out? When, you know, you, your house, you've got a generator and stuff. Are, how are people helping each other?
2: It didn't take long. As soon as the wind died down, people were out clearing the streets of debris so first responders could get on the road if they had to. I was driving around this morning about four thirty, five o'clock. Every street in the village is cleared. Crystal Drive, there was a palm tree going across that road. Yesterday, there's two trucks, four guys, chainsaws, getting that tree out of the way so the fire department, which is right down the street, could come and go without a problem.
0: Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like the people where we grew up. Um, the devastation is obviously so bad. There is. Do you know of ways? Because I've had people ask me, are there ways to immediately help? Donate money? Do you know of anything? Is there anything out there that you know of where that people can help immediately this far away? If we want to do something, do you know of anything?
2: I don't know of anything, but I tell you what, neighbors are helping neighbors. There's a lot of that going on, and one lighter side of this tragedy last night i was sitting up front just relaxing me my girl families are walking up and down the road (laughs) husband and wife with the kids walking the dog finally getting out doing something i mean i'm sure they're bored sitting at home but the families were getting out and about talking to neighbors instead of sitting on the phones or computers tvs they were out and about conversing with everybody
0: well, man, it's great to hear your voice, and uh, I, I appreciate you coming on and giving a little bit of perspective. And uh, hug your family for me, and uh, hug mine too if you happen to see them. And, and I, I appreciate you coming on, Adam.
2: All right, hey, I will take care of Mom and Brian. I got your back. Thanks, man.
0: I appreciate
2: it. All right, thank you. Talk-
0: That's Adam Canales, um, a lifelong friend. I mean, I'm almost sitting here in tears listening to his voice. Uh, This is somebody I hung out with every single day of my life from ninth grade until I moved here when I was 27 years old. And that's the kind of guy he is. He's like that with everyone, out in the street, help anybody, do anything for anyone. And he echoes kind of the sentiment of so many people. And you got to remember, I was the high school class of 1985. He was the class of 1984. And those people, that group, are still... Still so tight and so close. And we had a friend that was missing yesterday and the word went out. And I can't do anything in Phoenix, Arizona, but the word went out that our friend was missing and uh, everybody scrambled until they found him. And thankfully he was found safe. But that's just still the sense of community that goes on in southwest Florida. Um, there's got to be a way through the Red Cross. I'm going to find out ways to donate. There, you know, you can donate online if you want to help the people of Southwest Florida. But I just wanted you to hear a little bit of the spirit. Um, I just posted a picture of Fort Myers Beach Pier before and after this horrible tragedy. And just that picture of before and after gives you a little bit of a sense of the devastation Southwest Florida is feeling right now. Um, but they're filled with hope. And Adam Canales is one of those guys that's just uh, will do anything for anyone. And they're out there doing it now, connecting generators. And I'm just proud of my friends and proud of the place I grew up. So uh, keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, Southwest Florida's got a long way to go. Uh, coming up in a moment. We'll talk about border, border towns um, and what's happening, the dangers, the real-life dangers of the southern border of the United States. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And you find out who your friends are, I'll tell you that. As soon as you make a mistake, everybody points it out. I left my mic on when I was talking to you guys, and I have all these people sending me messages. We were waiting for you to say something good, (laughs) which is entirely possible. So I'm so glad I didn't. But I apologize for that mistake. It was mine. Um, uh, We are talking in studio just a few moments ago. About um, Southwest Florida and growing up there, and um, I hope I'm not belaboring this for people. I, I know this is so far away in Phoenix, Arizona, but Southwest Florida is uh, so uh, ingrained in me. I grew up there, and I have so many friends and family members that are still there, and what I'm seeing of places that I have been so many times is – It is stunning. It is shocking. And I'm showing people pictures before and after pictures. I just posted on Facebook of the Fort Myers Beach pier how much time I've spent fishing off that pier. I actually worked. uh, There are some boats that are laying out in the road that are just off the island. It's a sterile Island where Fort Myers Beach is. Um, I actually worked on a fishing boat at the getaway marina, uh, uh, Gulfstar marina, um, worked on some of their boats and worked as a, a hand, a deck hand on a boat, fishing boat for a while when I was a little kid and, uh, used to go fishing out of those marinas and, and it's where all the shrimp boats are docked underneath the big bridge that goes over Mantanzas Pass into Astero Island. And, uh, The the devastation, anybody would see it would be awestruck. But for me to be looking at things that bring back such memories to me and to realize that so many people that I am so close with still, um, people I love are just in for a long road. So please uh, keep Southwest Florida in your prayers. Um, Border towns running out of space to bury bodies of deceased migrants is the headline. Maverick County Sheriff told the Daily Caller field reporter Jorge Ventura that they uh, uh, they have identified three of five deceased migrants recovering uh, recovered from the Rio Grande River. Uh, He said the sad part is nobody makes it, including children, females that are pregnant. And I'm hoping that we don't have to get another trailer like this with a freezer because it's sad. Um, It is it's an amazingly sad time. Time at the southern border and I, we should be telling people not to come we should be making sure people aren't coming uh, they, are, they are being told lies about coming here and when they do come here it's too late there is, uh, women are raped forced into the sex trade It is a dangerous crossing. It is horrifying what's happening at our southern border, and we just should be telling these stories so that people that are considering doing this and coming to this country this way should find out that this is a lot more dangerous than they ever imagined it would be, and – it's it, I, that's why we keep talking about this so much. This is about human life. It is about humanity. Um, it, it, it's, it's sad. It is horrifying to see this. Uh, there is a story on, on AZ Central. Uh, 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 Mark Ramirez wrote it. It said, they paid taxes. Now undocumented Latinos are aging without savings or government care. So uh, it t- tells a story about a guy crossed into the United States from Mexico, hoping to earn enough money to buy a new taxi to replace the old cab he drove in Mexico City. The part-time musician found construction work in Houston, played guitar on the weekends. So it talks about the people that come into the country that have paid taxes for, for whatever job they're doing, but they're not reaping the benefits of America. And so here's the two sides of the argument. One says that that's horrible. Taxation without representation. And other people say, well, you shouldn't come here illegally. And I will tell you, that this is a an indicator, another indicator of the very, very broken system we have for in, Im, immigration. We talked yesterday at length about the DREAMers and the president may be acting on the DREAMers so that they're protected if the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals um, ends the DREAM Act. And I said that's a – that is a perfect indicator of a broken immigration system, and this is one as well. Um, should we – Should we feel bad for people in the country illegally that have worked here and then now they have nothing? They don't have savings and they're not getting the benefit of Social Security or all of these other things. I would say to you this is a reason why we have to do this the right way. You're not fixing the problem by saying, "Okay, we're going to take a group of people that have been here and uh, have come here that have worked here even though they're in the country illegally. And we're going to carve out some piece of legislation for them. Um. Uh, We're going to carve out a piece of legislation that protects them, and they're going to get some money, and they're going to live with some benefit, and we're just going to keep a broken system continuing with these little piecemeal pieces of legislation. What we need to do is we need to have people know what the American laws are that will be enforced, that we want to welcome you with open arms when you come and do it the right way. I think that has to be a huge part of the messaging, that we are still going to welcome people. We are the shining city on the hill. We are all of those things, that we want to welcome people the right way into this country, to live the American dream. You have an opportunity to raise your family and change the lives of your family members. We want all of that. But you can't come here illegally. You are part of the process. When you do, you are going to suffer when you do. There is a likelihood of cr- crimes being committed against you. You are rendered as a second class citizen, not intentionally, but by the way our laws work. You are you're not protected in certain ways. And we should be broadcasting that to the entire world. Line up. Come the right way, we will welcome you with open arms. But we cannot and will not tolerate people that come the wrong way. We're, a system is not set up for it. And we shouldn't be carving out legislation and doing these crazy things to make room and, and, and make, uh, um, what would you say, uh, I guess make a caveat or cut a carve out for people that have done the wrong thing. That's not who we are as a country. That's not being mean. That's not being vicious. That's saying we have got to put a lid on this and stop it from happening. Stop the death that's happening. Uh, Coming up just after 10 o'clock, we had Dr. Crow on. Dr. Michael Crow joined us from ASU to talk about college education and the value of a return on investment. We're going to let you hear a little bit of what Dr. Crow had to say.